From MattCast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. For episode 91 of the podcast, I spoke with Andrea Heron, author of There's an Elephant in Your Office, Practical Tips to Successfully Identify and Support Mental and Emotional Health in the Workplace. Andrea also leads human resources for WebMD's Portland office. I've had the opportunity to get to know Andrea these past couple of years through the PDX Executive Forums, an event series that I facilitate here in Portland. In our conversation, we dove into how her sister's battle with depression sparked them to collaborate on writing this book with the intention of providing real-world examples and strategies that leaders can implement to support employees. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, good to see you. And thanks for hosting you know, me at your office here in Montgomery Park, which I love this side of town. Yeah, it's a awesome great view. view you have at your office. So spoiled, right? I like to count the mountains on a sunny day. I do not <laughs> take it for granted. Being from Kentucky, those mountains still wow me every single time. Yeah, it is. It is nice. And there are times when I'm driving, I'll see Mount Hood pop up. I'm like, ah, oh, it's right. great here. It's just right there. <laughs> so, well, let's start. I want to learn a little bit more about your role here. Um, you know, we've known each other for a little bit through my events, but can you just give folks a you know overview of uh, you know what you do here and a little bit about the WebMD office specifically in Portland? Sure. So some people are surprised to learn that we are here, but the WebMD Health Services headquarters has been in Portland for quite a while now, and I've been here. It'll be three years coming up soon. Cool. And I've worked in HR for various industries from nonprofits, manufacturing, and now in high tech. Um, But people are people. And Mm -hmm. so the people here are just like the people everywhere else. And it's exciting to get into high tech and have a different perspective on the types of employees and what they like to do and motivates them. Uh, So that's what keeps me busy for my day job. Also WebMD, I know a lot of folks know of frantically Googling something that's wrong with them, but (laughs) this is not the 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 portion right. of the business that works on that, right? That rash is not diabetes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we do um, healthcare tech platforms that sell into businesses. So if you do one of those surveys that ask you about your health or you call a health coach mm. or you have some incentive and reward that you get through your employer, we build the background platform that let you get those rewards. Got it. Okay. And and uh, we feed in all those great articles about the rashes and all those <laughs> things too. And that, that part of the business is on the East Coast, right? In Manhattan. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, that, I'm always curious about that. You know, I'm <laughs> guilty of looking so many things We all are, Dan. Indeed. We all yeah, are. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, this book, I had, we were fortunate to have you come and give a talk about it at one of my events in December, a small group. But let's, can you just share why you wanted to write this book? And then we'll get into more about the contents of the book. I mean, personally, I think this is so important and more important than ever. Right. And so just love to hear kind of the story of, of good. And you wrote it with your sister and you'll talk about, right? Yeah. So, you know, it is interesting that mental health is starting to come up more and more in the world, definitely through memes and social media, but it's still not that talked about in the workplace. So a couple of years ago, my sister called me frantic and she in a flurry told me that she was going to get fired and mm. she was really upset and she'd been working with her therapist and her medications. I was like, whoa, 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 
what therapists, what medications. Mm. And she has severe anxiety and depression. And I did not even know that about my own sister. And so that was step one. Mm. And then as I started to work with her as, you know, her HR sister, who's going to help right. her out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it really became pretty obvious that there were no resources for leaders or managers on what to do in these situations. And as she started to tell me more and more about kind of her day-to-day experience, it really opened my eyes as to how much of that was probably going on in my office and mm-hmm. everybody else's yeah. workplace. And the materials that were out there were either textbook or legal. There wasn't anything that married the human experience and actual tips, ideas, examples of real people who maybe didn't do it right, but at yeah. least tried something to help. Right. And so once kind of she made it through her current situation mm-hmm. at work, um, which was successfully resolved, okay. thankfully, yeah. um, we decided that maybe we could write something to help more people because it really was a hole in the resources out there. Yeah, I mean, how was that process like? I mean, you said we're gonna do this, we immersed ourselves in it, you know, you had your sister that just went through this. Did you, um, what kind of resources did you tap into to, to help with the process? You know, it was a really interesting process. We have never worked on a project together. She's five years older <laughs> okay. than me. So, you know, growing up, we were pretty separate in those kind of developmental years. And she lives in Kentucky and I'm in Portland. Mm-hmm. So it was all via Google Docs, FaceTime, thank goodness we have the internet and yeah. email. Um, and so she does PR marketing. And she got that wonderful degree in English, which, hey, it came in (laughs) handy. Um, And then so she would kind of write everything and I would give her the the business purview Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just really collaborative back and forth. Such little drama. It was amazing. Uh, Sometimes working with family could go either way. I can't do it. There would be fist fights with my brother. It's hard over Internet. I mean, (laughs) but no, it was really great. And. I learned a lot just from hearing her experience and then looking and dealing with my own staff. Mm. And the resources, like I said, weren't really there. So we just started collecting stories and how they were handled and talking to other managers about what they do and just really trying to get an idea of what's real and realistic and not so lofty that nobody could take it away and actually do it. Right. And I think that, that, um, you know, approach, like you said, in the book says practical in mm-hmm. the business setting is what was needed. How was when you, you did this and just, I'm curious internally when you kind of let your colleagues know what was the kind of reception, not just about the book, but the, the topic in, in, in general. Yeah. Well, that's a great point that I do want to make sure I mention all the stories are real, but they are double blind mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. We never want to call anybody out for their experience, but we do want to make it genuine. Yeah. And I will say as much as mental health isn't talked about generally in the workplace, every single person that I have brought this topic up to has a story, an example, either personally or at their job. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. it's been great because I am able to talk to people and get more ideas and they feel safe talking about it. And that's the whole point is just to get people to start the conversation. Right. I know you've been out in the community here in Portland, gave some other talks to to like, you know, the Technology Association of Oregon. Do you think tech and specifically is more prone to that? I I guess I'm trying to go and I'm just, is there a difference between industries? Maybe not. I'm just 
curious uh, as that. You know, I'm not sure if there have been proper research studies yeah. done, but just based on my experience, mostly people are people and it's kind of a yeah. blend everywhere. Yeah. But I will say I have seen a slight difference in what shows up and how it manifests between specifically nonprofit and for-profit, hmm. um, you have a different kind of person who wants to work for the nonprofit and give to a purpose that they find fulfilling for their soul and their career. Right. It's just slightly different than for-profit. But overall, it's a, a mix. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into some of the themes that you can share from the book. What, yeah, what are some of the kind of tips or main themes that out of the book that just has really really hit home since it's been released uh, with, with folks? Yeah, it's a good question. And I will say the book, There's an Elephant in Your Office, is intended to be a little cheeky. Mm -hmm. uh, we follow the elephant metaphor through the book mm -hmm. because some of this can be really challenging and it can bring up other personal situations for people who even are reading it for their staff or want to do the right thing but may have their own experiences. So the book is written in a way that's very approachable. It's short and it categorizes the different ways mental health might show up in the workplace through these elephants. Okay. So one thing that I think has really resonated for people is the resources and knowing that they are there mm -hmm. and that they actually just have to tap into them, mm -hmm. but also giving specific examples of what to say, what not to say, how to even start the conversation while staying on the right side of the law mm -hmm. has been really important because I have seen managers generally go one of two ways. Mm. Either they get so overly involved that it's just too much and they get sucked into the spin, which yeah. doesn't help. Yeah. Or they're so nervous about the legal side that they do nothing and they stay so far away from it that it also doesn't help anything. Yeah, And we all wanna stay on the right side of the law and give people privacy and you have a right not to know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think the biggest tip that I have seen work is just to keep it related to the performance. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be real, you can ask about how someone's doing, but if you always bring it back to the performance, you're gonna stay on the right side of the law. So even saying something like, I noticed you haven't been hitting your deadlines and that's unlike you. Is is there something going on? Can I help you? Do we need to reprioritize? Mm -hmm. That gives someone the window to choose or not to disclose something. Mm -hmm. And then if there really is something that they need help with, you've opened the door there too. That's a great point. And I think also flipping it to the employee side, making that space to them just to come talk. And I, I'm curious about that because and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I, wrong, but I feel there's maybe transitions in folks' lives. Maybe one's like coming out of college, first job out of college. Uh, there's that's a tough time for mm -hmm. folks, uh, you know, making that transition. So that might be one. Um, you know, I have a couple of kids, so seeing you know after having kids, that's really <laughs> totally new ball game. <laughs> and then you know maybe as you're maybe more senior in your career, starting at a new company, I can see that being too. So. You know, from the employee side, have you seen those kind of transitions be a part where people are having difficulties and then are they open to like coming in and you know, talk about it? Yeah, you're right. Those are very common kind of life cycles that we all go through. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I do think people maybe need a little help or consistency or stabilization during those times. 
But also those are times that are so normalized Mm -hmm. that people are more willing to talk about it. Yeah. Because, of course, I'm tired. I just had a baby. Okay, well, you know, maybe we start you an hour later or, you know, people are much more comfortable with those topics. It's the hid topics like I'm going through a divorce, but I'm really not sure that I want everybody to know that. But wow, am I in a bad mood all the time or, you know, what have you. It's more of those subtle things that people may not want to share their business, but something is clearly going on Mm. or it's talked about with your peers, but you don't want to talk about with your manager. Right. You don't want them to see you differently. And that's a human experience. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what I mean by people are people. Mm -hmm. But there was actually just research out this week that shows that employees who feel like they are cared for as the whole person perform better, are more loyal, and stay at a company longer. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Isn't right? that what we want? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's so intuitive, yeah. but you have to get away from that. Well, you're not performing, so clearly you don't like this job. You don't want to do mm-hmm. good work, so we're going to put you on a performance plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should shift to your performance is starting to drop. That's not like you. What has changed, and is there something else going on? Mm-hmm. That makes the most sense, right? right. You and I both <laughs> having careers in business know that's not always the case, right? A hundred percent. And it's the other way of asking what's going on is, is more of the exception. I think hopefully that's changing and like stuff like the work you're doing with the book is helping drive that. But I'm not sure. I think we're at the beginning of that shift. And what's fascinating to me, kind of watching it from the HR strategic perspective is that the younger generations say what you will, but they are more open and upfront about their mental health than any generation before them. Why do you think that is? I think they have more words. They use humor through memes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've all seen Grumpy Cat, right? I mean, that was, I think, kind of the first meme I remember of people really grabbing onto. And then, of course, they exploded from there. But, you know, they are more willing to talk about it. And so it's coming and it's here and employers can either decide it's important and they can start to shift or they can play catch up after they lose their great people. Right. Yeah, I do think that's true. I mean, I, I whenever I I've worked with like advice like PSU a little bit, one of their schools and I mean, I'm just blown away how like sharp and more mature these people are than I was when I was like 21 or 22. Right. So I'm really And impressed. we didn't have all the photo and video evidence right. back yeah, then. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is, um, that's an interesting point. And I, I think that's super valuable and it's, it's kind of encouraging to see, right? Right. And either we're going to change or they're going to make us change. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can decide. And you know, on that note, another interesting idea that I've recently been exploring is the link between mental health and financial debt mm. and how people with significant student loans and financial burdens, they have a lot of these same issues as any other mental health condition because they can't focus and they can't put their energy in when they're stressed out because they can't pay their bills, even though they're working full time. Uh, and what are some solutions that I mean, this is going off topic, maybe a little bit, but you I have read of, you know, recruiting uh, wise, some companies are like implementing some student loan mm-hmm. repayment programs. Right. Yeah. Get one of those jobs. <laughs> I mean, those I are yeah. those are new. Yeah. But I think it's a great direction, uh-huh. you know, and some companies offer different 
specific financial perks. Hopefully we get more and more, um, but 401k and saving for retirement, a lot of places do the automatic yeah. sign up, which helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and also will offer financial advising through that 401k vendor for their staff. Mm-hmm. But people have to choose to take advantage of it. And when you're in your 20s, you think, I've got forever. Yeah. I don't need to worry you about that. People. You don't have forever. <laughs> oh We're gosh. here from the future. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I think that, that, you know, tying to financial wellness and, you know, mental health. And I haven't thought that much about that, but it makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. it's, it is it's a challenge for folks that do have that student debt. Um, Especially in Portland and other cities where the cost of living and rent is so high, where mm-hmm. people are working full-time jobs and still living three, four people in an yeah. apartment and plus the student debt, mm-hmm. it can just really take a toll on your staff. And even if it's you know, a radical idea is to add it to the benefits plan and mm-hmm. you know maybe people can pick and choose and right. the more we're marketed to individually in every other aspect of our lives yeah. i i could see that trend you know gathering speed over time with benefit plans especially as the younger and younger generations come through who've known nothing but right. individualization yeah right and then all of a sudden it's no here's the plan and here's the three things you get take it or leave it mm-hmm. um, that's how it is now maybe it won't change but i could see that one kind of giving way in the future i think you're right i think that's going to and especially how um you know folks just work in general which i want to get into because i don't know if you came to one of the breakfast events i did we had a, a gentleman from nike come mm-hmm. and he was the, the coo there and they talked about how they're just shifting the workplace design and just, you know, we have four generations in the workforce right. now working together. So, I mean, I walked in here and you're like, hey, this is our smoothie bar. Do you want a smoothie? <laughs> so I was like, oh, this, you got it dialed in here. So how does that impact just the way people are working? Um, maybe this, you know, topic you tackled with the book. Yeah, no, that is an interesting point because there are more generations in the workforce than there have ever been. Mm-hmm. And You know, I published an article on um, our website a little while ago that talked about the generational expectations and how that has shifted. And you think about some of the older generations, they never expected, for example, volunteer efforts and all of these things that now are standard. How are you getting involved in the political climate and how are you advocating, et cetera? But if they leave your organization and go to another one, they're gonna expect that they have those things now. Yeah. So I think we can't just say it's the young people advocating. I think they're teaching all of us that it's okay to use these words and they're honestly leading the way for all of us to take better care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It'll just take a while for business and leadership to catch up because it's a different way of working mm-hmm. and people don't wanna get in trouble. Right. And they're nervous about asking the questions. And there's some validity in that. I understand. That's why we wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's that whole topic fascinates me about what people want out of work now and mm-hmm. how it's changing. Obviously, me, I do a lot of just projects of my own. And right. you know, as people get used to doing side things, it's 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 interesting how that's gonna play out. Everybody's got a side hustle. I know. You do, you wrote this book. Right. Um, well, let's, let's get into that then. Have you found like some of your younger employees, like like I said, they're more involved. They might be part of whatever different groups and outside of work. What's your thoughts on that? Like have people just been like, I need a little more flexibility because I'm doing these other things or. Yeah, generally there are a lot of people that have 
side jobs or side passions. And as long as it doesn't interfere with their performance, it's really not an issue. And, you know, maybe there's a little flexibility in schedule. But again, as long as it's kind of core hours and they're performing, um, you can give that leeway. For some jobs, you can't. Some jobs are hourly. We need to hear by this time. A little different. But the only issue would come up is, A, if they're not performing, and B, if they're burnt out. And that gets into, well, what's burning you out? Is it this job? Is it your side gig? I can't control your side gig because that's outside of my purview. Right. And I shouldn't be in your personal business. So what can we do to help your performance here? Mm -hmm. And so it just, everything goes back to what is job related. That is, I'm not crossing the personal line, but how can I help you in your performance? I've seen X, Y, Z. You mentioned burnout. And I feel like this past year, I've just seen... I mean, I, like it mentioned to you, I have two kids. So I'm like constantly burnt out or something. But uh, <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of just been reading a lot of articles, HBR articles, just some people about burnout, mm-hmm. what it is, how to recognize it, what you should do. And it's it's kind of the point where it's just kind of like, I don't think people really know what it, it affects everybody differently. So, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? Like, have you had to deal with that here with some employees or just, yourself or I'm just curious because it yeah. it just feels like because we're always on maybe that's contributed to it absolutely with email and social media I mean there's never a time that you're truly away from the job and that goes back a little bit to the different generations and the shift there of work is work and home is home versus I now <laughs> yeah I mean there is really a blur quite frankly and So it is interesting and it does show up for everybody a little differently. And it's just, it's just going back to knowing yourself and your people. Yeah. There's really no magic answer, except the one thing I would suggest is making sure people are taking their time off. Some people want to hoard their time off and roll it over as some badge of honor. And we really have got to shift that if we want people to rejuvenate Mm -hmm. and like, I don't want to send you home in a negative way, but I want you to take the time off to re-energize and you're Mm -hmm. going to come back so much more fresh and it will be a hundred percent better if you take your time off. Isn't there like a statistic like Americans use like what percentage of their time off. So a lot of it just goes to waste compared to some other countries or. Right. And as a leader, if you can take your time off and say, I'm taking a mental health day or I'm taking a day for myself or I really need a down day. Even if it's not a week of vacation, taking a day like that and using those types of words, whatever feels genuine to you, can actually make a difference and give people the permission they might need to take that day and not think, well, people will think I'm slacking or not a team player or whatever internal stories people tell themselves. Right. It's hard though. I mean, because a lot of people like, you know, shifting to where we find our identity in work too. Like Mm -hmm. I'm so guilty of that. Like, right. (laughs) So what I do. So I think that's shift a little like the older generation, like, you know, clocking in, clocking out. Right. So that's, that shifted as well. Right. Right. And that type of, love for your work and getting really into it is rewarded. Mm -hmm. And so it's that balance of, I want you to go above and beyond and I love the work you're doing, but when was the last time you took a day off? And that is hard, really took a day off. And it for sure is harder when you're doing your own business because you don't have anyone checking in with you like that. Um, But if we could get people to either check in with themselves or each other or have a, 
Maybe a day off accountability buddy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, something I always like to ask folks uh, towards the end, you know, is about Portland. You've been here eight years, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Officially a Portlander. We'll just stamp I'm going to call it. Yeah, for sure. I think <laughs> that's a good. That's a good uh, time. You've seen it grow a lot. You know, you've this yeah. company's grown. Uh, you know, you're involved in kind of tech world here. What's your thoughts of just you know being here regards to business like more opportunities maybe that's some of the challenges and from maybe more specifically your world uh kind of the talent acquisition uh, world and the competition for it yeah i mean when i moved to portland i could be anywhere in the city in 20 minutes yeah so things have changed as anyone who commutes anywhere at any time knows <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but from the employee side one interesting thing that i have noticed specifically in tech but i'm sure it crosses other industries is in the past couple of years a lot of businesses from the Bay Area and also from Seattle are starting to, I'm going to use the word poach, yeah. poach our <laughs> wonderful Portland talent pool mm. because we have great people here and being in those areas, they pay a little more. Sure. And so it's really been a shift in the Portland businesses striving to keep up, but not having Bay money and Seattle money mm-hmm. uh, to keep fresh and get the best talent without something else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that something else is got to be the unique culture and wow factor of your business and culture is such an overused word. But what it really means is how do you do things? Mm -hmm. What's the vibe? What's the feel? And I guarantee you, if people feel like it's a company that cares about them as a person, gives them the flexibility that they can when they need it, and someone cares about them, they are so much more likely to stay and not just stay, but give their best performance and invite their friends to come work there too. Right. And and nice. The flip side of that is people who are here really want to be here yeah, because of something specific. Uh, and I just talked to someone yesterday is moving out here from New York, doesn't have a job lined up, just going to come. And, and, and so uh, that's it's not that uncommon. Yeah. I right. may have done the same thing yeah, okay. again. Yeah. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> with so, a six month old baby. Yeah, and wow. all, so well, it worked out. I it guess. worked out. So uh, your book, there's an elephant in your office. Do you have a site for your book? I know it's on Amazon and wherever you get it books, is. but try to keep it simple. Elephant in your and also elephant in your office on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.